hand in hand, on the edge of the sand. They danced by Liara's light. They enjoyed their evening, had drinks and fun, unaware of the horror that existed that night. Rayra Yuval. Welcome, humble adventurers, to my realm of knowledge and mystery. Here, in my cursed library, are endless tomes and scrolls on the darkest and evilest foes in all the realms. Be they from Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, the many worlds of darkness, or any realm in between. Welcome to the Dastardly Decimal System. I'm your caretaker of the corrupt, Casper. Hello. Hello. Uh, oh, good evening. I wasn't expecting company. <clears throat> How may I help you? I'm looking for Casta Kane. I am in need of help, and the golem at the front told me to come back here. Th that is I, and who might you be? Oh my, your hair, it, it, it glistens like silver. Mm. Could we please focus? Of course, of course. My apologies, Madam Elf. My name is Rayra Yuval. I am an exterminator, of sorts. In my recent task, I have stumbled across a name, and I need to know more about them. And what name might that be? Yathrilna. Oh my, that is a dangerous name. Please, take a seat, Miss Yuval, while I brew us a pot of tea. I'm thinking that moon tea sounds fitting this day. After that, we can talk about Yathrilna, the Mind Flayer. The terror of the Illithids, also known as the Mind Flayers, is well documented. Some say they came from an impossibly distant future, from the end of time and space. In a bid to escape the eternal darkness that awaited them, they escaped back through time. Others thought them a mutation for race from the distant past, eternally surviving by furthering their biological corruption. Either way, these psionic-powered aberrations once controlled a vast and epic empire. They were ruled by the Elder Brains and controlled the minds of the lesser races to do their bidding. They even bred a race of super-soldiers to fight their wars and continue their expansion. But as they so often do, these super-soldiers rebelled and the Great Illithid Empire fell. With their numbers diminished and scattered, the Mind Flayers took to the shadows and the Underdark, forever hiding just out of our notice, and slowly manipulating their surroundings. A Mind Flayer stood six feet tall and looked like a thin humanoid, but any comparisons to a human ended there. Their bodies were a gruesome mockery of man. Their skin ranged from a mauve to a sickly green color. Their flesh was soft, supple, moist, and rubbery, and the healthiest of their kind excreted a thin film of slimy, glistening mucus that smelled like an off-putting combination of onions, garlic, and vanilla. An illithid's elongated head looked similar to an octopus, with a cluster of four flexible tentacles that surrounded their mouth. 
To sustain themselves, my inflators relied on a very specific diet. They fed on brains, gaining knowledge as they ate. Those that had encountered a mind flayer and were eaten, they were the lucky one. The rest found themselves slaves to psionic manipulation, or worse. Some had tadpoles inserted into their noses. These vile intruders would consume the brain and morph the body until they became a mind flayer of their own. A mind flayer was highly intelligent and megalomaniacal in a level far beyond that of any evil king or dark lord. They were tyrants driven by an immense ambition and an inflated self-importance. The greatest of their species, or the vilest depending on your perspective, were the Ulatharid. Having six tentacles instead of four, and blessed with a higher intelligence than any other flayer, the Ulatharid were the most dangerous of their species. Ethrilmaw, however, was far smarter and far more sinister than any other Yultharid. It is extremely difficult when you are the best at something, living in a world that was obviously not meant for you. The strongest feel like they live in a world of cardboard, the fastest feel like they live in a world of snails. But in my humble opinion, being the smartest has to be the most difficult. Those that are smart, that are truly smart on a level beyond genius, are forced to live their lives waiting for everybody else to catch up. Genius has been described as being able to go from point A to point F without having to stop at every letter in between. Now imagine if you could do that and then you had to watch everybody else around you stop at every letter in between at an agonizingly slow pace. And that's assuming they get there at all. This was Yithranal's life. Nothing excited him because nothing challenged him. Even the most devious and sinister mind flare plots did nothing but bore him. Why? Because there was no challenge. His life was simply dull. When the elder brain heard rumors of a surface dwelling scholar who focused his studies on their kind, the elder brain sent Yithrunal and a team of flares up to the surface to deal with him. Ethrilma thought nothing of the mission. It was simply another meaningless task. Yet once the professor was dead, Ethrilma was shocked to find several preserved bodies, including one of his own species. They also found a strange device, one he did not recognize. When Ethrilma dissected the scholar's brains and recovered his memories, Ethrilma learned that the strange device was actually a transportation artifact that allowed the user to travel to a citadel hidden on the surface of the moon. He quickly led a team of flares to the hidden citadel, eager to learn more. The lunar citadel was filled with technological devices and machines beyond anything the mind flayer had seen. Through study, they learned that the citadel was built by a long forgotten race, forever lost to the ravages of time. It was a way station 
a stopping point during long travels between worlds. But Ethereal Maw didn't care about that. What he cared about was the literal hundreds of machines and devices of which he had no clue as to what they did. Ethereal Maw now had something to study. He had something to learn. He had something to challenge him. For the first time in a very long time, Ethrilnaw was excited about something. The exterior of the Lunar Citadel is a metal manse, surrounded by a rocky, barren landscape. The stars above glistened in the darkness, but with constellations unfamiliar to any who looked upon it, and an odd orb that glowed rotation in the colors. Orbs of blue, green, and white hung in the sky, replacing where the moon should be. The citadel's interior was a lab and a barracks combined into one. The walls were made from sheer metallic panels that were impossible to climb. Each room had large panels in the ceiling that brightly glowed, providing illumination. And the doors? They retracted into the adjacent walls. Also hidden within the walls was a device that prevented magical teleportation. It was mostly to stop people from accidentally porting outside and into the airless void. Which is a smart precaution, if you ask me. For decades, Euthrilnaw studied the unknown devices and machines in the Citadel, slowly learning how they worked and deciphering their functions. Some, like the evasion shards and the sealing black orbs, he easily solved. The shards allowed wielders to blink away to avoid being struck, and the orbs allowed Euthrilnaw to watch each and every room from a distance. Some devices, like the Citadel teleporting artifacts, Ethrilnaw had yet to fully figure out. He had a basic idea of how they worked, but it was the specific intricacies that still stumped him. Other artifacts, however, he had barely scratched the surface of their true meaning. Yet of all the devices located in the Lunar Citadel, one completely changed the direction of the Mind Flayer's hive. Deep within the Citadel, Located in a lab was a cloning device. The cloning device was originally built by that long forgotten race, desperate to stave off extinction so they could clone their numbers and keep their species afloat. At first, Ethrilnaw and the Elder Brain thought the cloning machine could be used to make an infinite supply of food. Yet when they discovered that a clone brain was tasteless and provided no substance, the pair began to devise a far more nefarious use for it. Now regardless of which hive we look at, all Mind Flayers share one desire. They want to rule once more. They longed to rebuild the empire they once had, yet history had shown that the bigger they became, the more they attracted the attention of their former super soldiers, the Gith. 
Ye thrill not in his elder brains, however, devised a far more subtle approach. The elder brain would begin by sending his illithids to the kingdoms below. There, they would kidnap influential people, souls with the ears of rulers, guild leaders, and even powerful mages. They would bring them back to the Lunar Citadel, clone them, swiftly age the clones using a recovery device, and then reinsert the now loyal clone back into the original soul's life. Over and over they repeated the process until they had dozens upon dozens of loyal clones seated all across the world. With these sleeper agents in place, the Elder Brain began to influence and affect the politics and choices of the kingdoms. The Mind Flayer Empire had quietly been rebuilt, right under the noses of everybody, and with all of us none the wiser. He thrill not enjoyed the success, but as always, he was more obsessed with the unknown technology and better understanding it. The cloning process was unreliable at best. With his limited knowledge of the device, it produced frustratingly inconsistent results. Only one out of every 20 clones proved to be viable for indoctrination. The rest were either malformed or simply uncontrollable. The failures did not go to waste, however. Instead, Ethrelna used them for sadistic experimentation. Ethrelna also toyed with other mechanical, futuristic devices. There was a psychic manipulator that could rewrite a clone's psyche, a far realm portal that could transport an aberrant to the realm beyond, and a gardening machine that produced weird, unknown crops unseen in the material plane. But the one device that enthralled Ethrelna above any other was the way station itself. The Lunar Citadel was built to allow legions of newly created clones to disembark to far worlds and to conquer them. Ethrilna was desperate to find out how, and the Elder Brain was salivating at the potential. The idea is a terrifying one that has cost me more than one night's sleep. Picture living your everyday life, faced only by the troubles of your normal day-to-day -day events. You walk outside your front door, maybe to get a local printing of a newspaper or to get a beverage, when suddenly hundreds of small purple flashes suddenly appear in the sky. Each is no brighter than a bonfire, but with hundreds of them suddenly happening at once, it becomes blinding. You look away, desperate to protect your eyes, but when your sight returns, you regret ever looking back. Standing in front of you is a mind flare and a platoon of a hundred clones, each armed and ready to fight. Across the world, hundreds upon hundreds of similar platoons have also appeared. Without warning, your world had just been invaded. Worse still, without any real time for a resistance, it had just been conquered. Have you ever looked at a jacket, one identical to yours, but somehow you knew it wasn't yours? The way it hung on the back of the chair, the way the pockets bulged, and the way the collar popped, 
It all just seemed wrong. That's the problem when something you know so well is replaced. It may look identical, but it's the little details that are off. The Duchess had the same feeling. She was certain that her husband had been changed or replaced, but she had no proof. In fact, most thought her crazy when she mentioned it. She quietly hired adventurers to investigate, and upon a search of his quarters, they found a strange, unknown device. Adventurers, being the type they are, instantly activated it and were transported to the Lunar Citadel. Ethrilnaw and the Elder Brain predicted that this would happen one day, and they had prepared for such an event. They had filled the Citadel with mind warp thralls to work and protect them. Legion of insane Darrow filled the halls alongside brutish minotaurs, hulking grimlocks, demonic Tanaruk, and even the fiendish and powerful Rakshasha. Whenever a hero would appear, Ethrilna would stay in his observation room, watching with glee as his mismatched army fought against the heroes. After each victory these murder hobos secured, Ethrilna would appear before them, glimmering as a translucent illusion as he telepathically taunted them, begging them, enticing them, challenging them to go forward, to go further inwards into the citadel. Ethrilna didn't do this just to feast on their brains. He did it to see if his army and his understanding of the devices could withstand the assault of adventurers. Heroes are a tenacious lot, and I'm being polite when I say it that way. They march into seemingly unbeatable encounters, and somehow, time and time again, they defy the odds. As they fought through the Citadel, felling the thralls, and somehow surviving the mechanical and futuristic traps that Ethrilnaw had set for them, the heroes still managed to reach the Elder Brain. Desperate to protect his leader, Ethrilnaw opened up the clone racks and unleashed the countless numbers of malformed clones. The abominations swarmed the heroes like the mindless undead. The heroes gasped as the malformed faces of friends, allies, and even famous rulers tried to kill them. I can't imagine what goes through a fighter's mind as they're forced to run their blade through the deformed face of their guild leader, or the lord they willingly served. How do you settle those emotions as you're forced to kill something that looks like an ally? I mean, we have all wished to inflict harm on our bosses, especially after getting nothing but midnight guard watches over and over and over. But to actually do such a thing? That is a different matter altogether. As the heroes cut down the last clone, Ethrilna and the Mind Flayers enter the battle. Ethrilnaw was loyal to his elder brain above all else, but he was too smart to be a fool. When the elder brain died, the Ulatharid fled. He and what few flares remained teleported off the citadel, returning to a backup layer deep within the Underdark.
Ethrilna still exists in the world, hidden in his new lair. I suspect, as one as obsessed with Discover technology as he was, that at one point he had taken time to move pieces of tech to his backup lair. As a precaution, does he have a smaller, cloning machine hidden beneath the surface? Is he still infiltrating our world at the highest of levels? And with his legion of loyal clones, acting like a secret society or a hidden murderous cult, his resources were near limitless. His clones could be anywhere. What was the reach of Ethrilnaw? And when would he strike it next? The adventurers that eventually cleared out the Lunar Citadel were not the first ones to enter Yithrilna's lair. Others had attacked before, but none were as successful. For those that survived Yithrilna's attack found a punishment far worse than simply death. The Ulatharid would make a sinister promise to the heroes before he ate them. Deep in their heads, via telepathy, Yithrilna told them his sinister plan. First, he'd clone the heroes. Then, he'd insert the clone into their original lives. And eventually, he'd command the clones to begin a campaign of murder and chaos. The evil clone wouldn't stop until they had done so much bad that it would forever blanket any good the hero once did. The hero's reputation would forever be destroyed. Bards would only sing of the harm and evil the heroes had committed, and history would only remember them as a terrifying villain. That explains a lot. I had a friend. He was a paladin of the highest order. He did so much good that he was the beacon for all of us, the post by which we all measured ourselves. Then, he changed. He started brutally killing people. I hadn't seen him in months, but when word reached me, I rode out to find him. When I found him, he was... I had to kill him. I tried everything else first, but... I found the name Yathrilna on his body. I'm sorry, Madam Health. Now I know it wasn't him, and now I know who I need to find. Well, I'm glad I could be of some help. Oh, pardon me. That's my cat, Vega. Vega, no! That's a friend. It's alright. Me and cats do not get along. Thank you for the tea. But I must be off. Well, thank you for speaking with me. You are always welcome to join me for more stories and lore about the darkest villains from the darkest realms. This has been the Dastardly Decimal System, and once again, I am your librarian, Caster Kane. The Dastardly Decimal System can be found on Instagram and Twitter at DD System Podcast. That's Delta Delta System Podcast. This podcast was produced by Midnight Reading Audio, a division of Midnight Reading Publishing. The voice of Caster Kane is Larry Gent. 
The voice of Rayra Yuval is Valerie Gent. Hi. The voice of Vega the cat was provided by our cats, Zid and Vash. Music was Symmetry by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons. Yathril Na was introduced in Face of the Moon by John Ross Rossamang. <laughs> okay, let me try that again. Yeah, I have no clue to pronounce the last name, so do your best. Ross Rossamangno and appeared in Dungeons Magazine issue 201. Thank you for joining us and have a wonderful, wonderful evening.